Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Well, this is the, from the Gospel of Luke. This is the, uh, the sort of middle portion of the Sermon on the Mount as, it, as you find it in the Gospel of Luke. And you find um, Jesus is telling us the words that we find very difficult to understand sometimes, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and so on. And somewhere in there also it says to be merciful, just as our Father also, your, your Father also is merciful. In the Gospel of Matthew it says to be perfect, just as your Father also is perfect. And we find all together Altogether, this part of the gospel is not practical. Let's be honest, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. It's not practical. If I love my enemies, and if I love those who abuse me, they're just going to abuse me more. And if I don't stand up for myself, they're going to just abuse me more. And if they hurt me, they're just going to abuse me more. And sometimes we look at parts of scripture like this. Sometimes we look at parts of scripture like this, and we feel that, Jesus must have meant something because Jesus is never wrong and Jesus never says nothing for no reason. So he must have meant something, he must have meant something, but this, I don't know, I don't understand it, so it doesn't apply to me. Next, and I've turned the page. Sometimes we read things like we read in the epistle to the Colossians, where St. Paul is saying, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains. So St. Paul is asking me to pray for him so that he could preach. He is like the penultimate preacher. Who am I that I'm going to pray for him? Obviously, St. Paul means something, but obviously this doesn't apply to me. Maybe he was saying this to somebody. Maybe he was writing this letter to St. Mary or something. He wanted St. Mary to pray for him or something. St. Mary, please pray for St. Paul. Right? That, that, okay, that could make sense. That I could grasp. But you want me to pray for St. Paul? That a, word, that, that a door may be opened for him to preach? And I fear that we start to look at Scripture and we start to look not only at Scripture but at the teachings of the church and um, of all of that has to do with God in our lives and we start to look at it and we start to discern, to discriminate, to say this is for me, this is not for me. This is for me, this is not for me. And this is, can lead us somewhere even more dangerous. In my own private readings, I was, uh, I was reading in 2 Timothy. St. Paul is giving some final advice to St. Timothy in, in 2 Timothy before he departs. And he tells him that in the last days, people will be lovers of money and lovers of pleasure and lovers of themselves. But not just that. Like it would be okay if the pimps and prostitutes out there were lovers of money and lovers of pleasure and lovers of themselves. But he's not talking about the pimps and prostitutes. He's not talking about the tax collectors who had not repented. He's talking about, he's talking about people in the church. And the scary thing is, is he says this phrase, which is what I'd like us to focus on today and see how it relates to all of the readings. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. 
He tells St. Timothy, from such people turn away. What's the problem? The problem is they have a form of godliness. What's godliness? Godliness is piety, is, um, is uh, uh, the, the, the outward practice of worship. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with standing and praying, raising your hands. There's nothing wrong with doing the sign of the cross. There's nothing wrong with doing prostrations. There's nothing wrong with outward signs of worship. In fact, they're desirable. They help us. God, God gave us a body and a soul and a spirit. We should worship Him with our body, with our soul, and with our spirit. Love the Lord with all your might, with all your strength, right? With all your soul, with all your mind. So that first part is strength, appeals to the body. God wants us to worship Him with the body, but not only with the body. What St. Paul is telling St. Timothy is there's some people, and I'm afraid, I don't know, maybe I have fallen into this category. Let each one of us examine ourselves. Have fallen into a pattern of worship. I stand and I lift my hands and I recite da 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 and then I do some prostrations and then I and somebody needs help and I help them and somebody but what's the problem the problem is is not doing these things or not doing them in fact God wants us to do them we establish that the problem is having a certain form of godliness but denying its power do we believe, when we open the scriptures, do we believe that this is the Word of God which has power to change us, to transform us? Not to educate us, teach us, help us to learn, and so on, but to change us. You, you, you go and spend a week down south, you know, and you come back with a tan. The sun changed your outward appearance. St. Isaac the Syrian tells us, do not approach the mystery-filled words of the scriptures without prayer and a request for assistance from God. Say, Lord, grant me to become aware of the power in the words. Consider prayer to be the key to insights in the, of, in, into the truth in the scriptures. Lord, grant me to be aware of the power in these words. Lord, grant me to be aware of the power in these words. The first step, the first step for us to take is to be like the man who brought his son to Jesus and told him, please heal him. And Jesus told him, do you believe? And the, and he, the man answered Jesus and told him, I believe, help my unbelief. Just get my notes. The first step is to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We're going to find that if you read the, the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus talks about four different levels of faith or grades of faith. The first one is this man. This man brings his son to him and Jesus looks up and says, O faithless and perverse generation. What's the solution for, the, for, for me if I am in the lowest level, the earliest level of faith? Maybe that's where I am. I, I'm doing all of these godly acts. I'm doing all of this piety. I'm, doing, I'm praying. I'm doing prostrations. I come to church early. But I don't really believe that it's going to do anything. Sometimes 
We do things because it's a matter of process. Uh, sometimes you ask your teacher for an extension on an assignment. You know they're going to say no. But you know you're going to regret it if you didn't ask. So you ask. And they say no. And there you go. See, I told you so. Right? We don't believe that it's going to amount to anything. But we do it as a matter of process. It's just the due process. That's the process we should go through. So we do it. Right? That's this man. He went to the disciples to heal him. They didn't heal him. They, so he goes to Jesus. Let me go to Jesus. Maybe Jesus, yeah, he's not going to do anything, but I'll go. Jesus tells him, do you believe? And he's so desperate. He says, Lord, I believe like a little bit, but not enough. Help my unbelief. This is the first level where Jesus says, O faithless and perverse generation. If I'm there, let me pray and say, Lord, I believe a little bit, or I wouldn't even be praying. I believe a little bit, but certainly I don't believe a lot. Certainly I don't believe that I'm going to leave this divine liturgy, this holy communion, a different person, a completely different person. You will take my shape and you will empty it of all the nonsense that's in it and you will fill it with your power. The shape will be the same, but it will be filled with your spirit, with your power. You with your body and your blood will fill me. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like a bit of a stretch, right? Okay, okay God, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's the first level. What's the second level? The second level is the level of little faith. To whom did Jesus say, Oh, you of little faith? To St. Peter. St. Peter tells him, Come walk out on the water. St. Peter walks out onto the water, sees the waves and the wind, and is boisterous and, and this and that, and freaks out, right? So he had, he had some faith. He had some faith to get him out of the boat. Now, if we're going to be honest, if I'm going to compare that to myself, that's a lot of faith. To step out of a boat in the middle of the sea when there's a storm, to just walk out, just, just, just walk out, you know, of the boat. I don't know. <laughs> that, Jesus looks at that, he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you disbelieve? Why did you disbelieve? Right? What's the solution for that? What is St. Peter's prayer? Lord, save me. If you find that you started along the path of faith, but when the going got tough... See, there's a lie out there, and I'm going to dispel the lie. Okay? And if you believe the lie, and you don't want to not believe it anymore, please feel free to get up and leave. No one will judge you. I won't judge you. Okay? There's this lie that if you follow Jesus, everything will be okay. I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus, you're in the boat. Jesus tells you, come out of the boat. We think you're going to step out of the boat. The, 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 the sea is going to turn to ice. The sun is going to come out, although it's the middle of the night. The wind is going to stop. The waves are going to go away. And everything is going to be hunky-dory. I want to tell you, nowhere do we find that in Scripture. The people who follow God end up with more problems. I'm waiting to see who's going to walk out the door. Or I'll close my eyes. You can, whoever wants to leave can leave. Now that I've given you the bad news. But now you have a companion. Now you have Jesus with you. St. Peter steps out of the boat. The wind doesn't stop. 
The waves don't get less, and he loses faith. Does he drown? Actually, he doesn't. Why? He prays a prayer. Let us learn to pray the same prayer. Each one of these faith levels has a prayer. The prayer is, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. If you have begun to follow God and you were expecting everything to be beautiful and perfect and fine, and all of a sudden there were just as many problems, maybe even more problems than there were before, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, this isn't what we agreed on. Where is this in the fine print? And you're upset. Pray the prayer of St. Peter, Lord, save me. What's the next level of faith? The next level of faith is the disciples of Emmaus. Disciples of Emmaus, after Jesus' resurrection, they saw the women. They went to the tomb and they told them he rose from the dead. And they believed. But then they said, I don't understand. And they're walking to this town called Emmaus from Jerusalem and they're sad. And Jesus comes up beside them and they don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus says to them, what are you talking about? And they say, are you the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard? There's this guy named Jesus of Nazareth, great man, prophet, worker of miracles and wonders. Nothing, not a word came out of his mouth that wasn't beautiful, that wasn't spectacular. He was just like nothing ever, anyone's ever seen. And he was just crucified. We were hoping he was the Messiah. What does Jesus say to them? He says to them, O oh, you who are slow to believe, O oh, you who are hard of heart and slow to believe. So they have faith. They're just, they're just slow to accept it. They have faith. They're just slow to accept it. What is, what's the solution for them? Jesus starts to open for them the prophets and the psalms and explain to them. The solution for us if we're slow to believe is to enter deeper into the Word of God. Ask yourself which one of these is you, okay? And try to take the solution. Try to walk away today with, with just one thing, with one solution. Now, what's the fourth level of faith? There's only two people that Jesus said, spoke to, and identified them as having the highest level of faith. And guess what? Neither of them were Jewish. I'm not even against people who are Jewish, but I mean to say, neither of them were the people of God. Neither of them were like, one was a centurion and the other was a, a, a pagan woman. She was pagan. She was a, a Gentile, the Canaanite woman. The centurion goes to Jesus and tells him, I have a servant at home who's sick. Please come and heal him. The Canaanite woman says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Jesus doesn't pay any attention to her. And she cries out after him, please, please heal my daughter. And the disciples turn to Jesus and say, say something to this woman. She's making a scene and, and stuff and people are starting to look. Just get, get rid of her somehow. Jesus tells, looks to her and he tells her, is it right to take the bread of the children and throw it to the little dogs? I was sent to the children of Israel. There's a reason he uses that example historically, but it's a topic for another day. She answers him and she says, yes, but even the little dogs will eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Just, just give me anything. 
Do anything for me. Do anything for my daughter. Jesus answers her and he answers the centurion in the same way. Great is your faith. That's the fourth level. The fourth level is the person who has absolutely no reason to believe. Let's look at the Canaanite woman. Ignored by God. Then when, when Jesus answers her, he answers her roughly. He answers her not in a polite way. And she still believes. Wow. That's where God wants to bring us. That's where God wants to bring us. In believing that He has power. That all this stuff we're doing, that all this prayer we're doing, that all this liturgy we're doing, that all your own private worship at home is not an outward form of godliness. It has power. We're here to meet the living God. We're here to receive the living God. Oh my goodness, when the Pope came to visit us, right? We received Him. How did we receive Him? We received Him with so much joy and so much preparation and so much this and so much that. And it was good. And I'm not saying it was a bad thing. It was good. And could we have done more? We would have done more gladly and received Him like Christ. But here we are today. Here we are right now, you and me, to receive the living God. In your private room, when you go home tonight and you close the door, He says to us, that those who, that he says to us that if we go and to meet him, he will come and meet with us. He says to us, if two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in their midst. Should we not be preparing to receive him? Let each one of us ask. Let each one of us ask ourselves. Do I only have a form of godliness and I deny its power? Or do I believe, do I believe that I am here to meet the living God who has power to change me, not only an outward form, but a living power, a living transforming power for you and for me. May each one of us grow in faith until we hear the Lord Jesus Christ say to us, great is your faith. Glory be to God forever and ever, amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.